Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner, and the matchup we'll be getting into today is 1995-7 versus 1984's Beverly Hills Cop. Keenan, start things off on a good note. How are we doing today? Better than last week, I hope. Yeah, better than last week. That's good. Not a a difficult task, aren't you? But (laughs) That's what we want to hear. I'll get this out of the way now. I do have somewhat of a cold, so if I sound a bit gravelier than usual, I'll do my best to... uh, cough sneeze splutter away from the mic because i can't imagine that would be enjoyable for anyone to listen to but we soldier on that's what we do here and if all goes to plan this will be a slightly earlier release i'll get this a day earlier for uh, a big week so there we go as always keenan i do have some news of the week because of uh, i guess the amount of notes i have not too much this week but I'll at least get your opinion on all of these things first so It was announced within the last fortnight or so that Margot Robbie has been cast as Barbie. So as much as that does look like somewhat of a perfect casting, um, surely there's more to it. Like I can't see her doing just, I guess, the equivalent of a straightforward Barbie movie. Like I'm not thinking it's going to be some kind of like horror film, but surely there's going to be more to it than a superficial doll. You'd presume so. Maybe it'll do the legally wrong route, but hey, I'm smart. Maybe so. I guess uh, Margot Robbie, you're drawing on a certain audience. Barbie, you've got a guaranteed audience there, so I you imagine there. It's going to be a kids film, right? I don't. Well, this is this is the question. Like, I don't know if it's, you know, like. Uh, I mean, part of me thinks it'd be real funny if they just made like an 18 rated Barbie. Well, yeah, so oh, weird not that I, she's just running around fucking like just doing all sorts. Yeah, the, I guess the stumbling block is I'm assuming to use Barbie, they have to license that, and Barbie aren't going to license it if it kind of holds the doll in a bad light. Um, do, it, do, do, do people still buy Barbies? Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'd assume so because, well, I'm going to say you don't make a film otherwise, but. Well, you're not, because 20 years ago, they were massive when we were kids yeah but i mean um you've got to think there's a certain level of market marketability now to put into a film like this because it's not like an old tv show you used to watch like i mean i'm assuming i don't have a sister or anything that even barbie then when you were associated with it it, it wasn't like a tv show or a film it was literally like a doll so it's not like you had no, the nostalgia I, I, to tap into laugh, but confirm they made barbie films was that around when we were younger, though, or was that further on? No, I think that was when we were kids. Yeah. I was because I'm sure there's... my cousins and my sister were watching. I don't know, like Barbie goes to Paris or some Barbie goes to fucking Budapest or whatever the crack is. I, I, what, I, is I this, might, was I this like a, really like a two, three year old or more like six, seven? Probably in the middle. No, maybe, maybe different. They were watching there, Barbie, you know. and you were watching the Shawshank Redemption in the next room. Uh, big man. I was. But... I was actually going to ask you um, last week when 
we did uh, Fight Club. And yeah. I was going to say, like, dare I ask what age you were <laughs> watching? No, it wasn't Fight Club. I was going to say on the waterfront. I had this hilarious image in my head of you about four years old watching Marlon Brando fight for the rights of uh, the dock workers. No, I was about 18 when I watched on the waterfront. <laughs> You've uh, shattered my illusion. A little kid running, running around with a cup. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Could have been somebody. There was a film that I think did pretty horribly. I think Elizabeth Banks was in it um, called Brightburn. And it was basically what if Superman, the equivalent, was born and didn't use its powers for good. And instead, you've just got like a monster going around with all the powers of Superman. And they could put a twist on Barbie in is actually as it's supposed to be kind of the most superficial thing it's like the complete opposite of what you'd want a young girl to be but i just can't imagine uh that's the way they're gonna go i don't know i think it'd be funny as well if they just made like like deadpool did for superheroes yeah because they did that they took barbie to that level but for kids toys because she's pretty careful with the roles she selects isn't she 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 doesn't tend to do the layup kind of roles like she has some kind of interest like in her role she's not doing Nicolas Cage straight to DVD ones. Um, so there must be I something think, in it. That's because she doesn't have to. No, no. <laughs> lay off lay off your boy Nicolas Cage. Oh, look, we've got we've got a headline for him here. This this may as well be Nicolas Cage news uh, to start a Thursday, but it's not. I just, I don't know. She, ha- she has a lot of offers coming her way. So either this was the most financially viable or there is something different to it than, than what we know. And, and hopefully maybe it's a bit of both. Can't, like, I mean, she can't be... She can't be short of a few quid, mate, I'll be honest. No, no. Um, next headline. So this is also a topic that we seem to come back to each week. So director Chad Stahelski, friend of the pod, is hopeful to make 10 John Wick movies and believes that expanding the Keanu Reeves-led franchise would be awesome. Yep. I'm here for all of it. In production at the moment, they have uh, Ballerina, which uh, Ana Diamas is in the lead role. Mm-hmm sensational choice there i was gonna ask your thoughts on no time to die because you watched that just after we finished last week didn't you loved it i absolutely loved it mate yeah was I, it I saw in? it getting some critique I, I i loved it in the cinema i absolutely loved it. it was bang on didn't see him didn't see it coming crazy was shook i told you when i was shook i was visibly yeah. upset and if they choose to do a spin-off with anna diarmas in that which I imagine it could be in the pipeline or it should at least be in the next film. All for it. Honestly, I was shook. Like, couldn't believe it. I actually quite liked it. Just, yeah, just unbelievable. Amazed I went this long without finding out the spoiler. Yeah, I, I that is almost out of character for you as well. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's not. Because new stuff, I don't know. I don't really know the ending. It's the old older films. Okay. Um, Nicholas Cage shares a face-off 2 update. He confirms that he's been in talks with producer Neil H. Moritz and believes the return is now likely. Travolta's not up to much these days either, is he? So They can't be banging Travolta in it, surely. He's like <laughs> fucking 85 years of age. How's your dead son, Sean? Oh, God. Gesturing with his walking stick. <laughs> what a film like it can't be bringing him back short well he's not like 80 he's like 60 something i swear no shot is he 60 let's have a look no shot is he 60 
All right, he's 68, so he's somewhere between my 60 and your 80. So I was yeah, closer. I was, being, I was being an asshole. You also said legitimate gas. Just saying, he's yeah, old as fuck. to say no. Well, no. When I said he's like fucking 85, there's not <laughs> one part of me that's saying that seriously. 10 years older than uh, Nick Cage. Yeah. They don't look 10 years apart in the original face-off, so maybe that's the work yeah. Travolta had done. Yeah, I was going to say, you had a few touch-ups by then, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, so there we go. If we move on then to our first film of the week, and that is Seven. Somewhere in the city. You want to come take a look at this? A madman is loose. Yeah, I'm a Inspired by the seven deadly cities. Gluttony. Greed. I hate this city. You can expect five more. They know his motive. His motives are sermons to us. They know his game. I've gone and done it again. Seven deadly sins. Seven ways to die. Have you ever seen anything like this? No. Seven rated R. Starts Friday, September. Two detectives, a rookie and a veteran, hunt a serial killer who uses the seven deadly sins as his motives. You hadn't seen this before. No, sir. Great film, isn't it? I knew the ending. No, great film. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I've been I've been very excited to speak about this since uh, doing the rewatch on Monday evening. Actually, Monday afternoon on the bank holiday, so uh, worked quite nicely. Critics' reviews. Dare I ask what you think they thought? No, uh, I'd be a big fan of this one, though. Yeah. The modern serial killer film was far from invented by Fincher, but his series have damn near immortalised the subgenre. His series? His entries, sorry. I thought oh. that's what I said. Uh, maybe not. Series, uh, I was thinking of Mindhunter while reading that, so maybe I uh, jumbled the two. The structure of the narrative is dense, but its beats are deliberate, making for a viewing experience that's hypnotic on first viewing and only deepens on subsequent watches. The seriousness is great, the comic relief sparse, and the tension high, aided nicely by Howard Shaw's nerve-wracking score and a maniacal opening title sequence. I actually think we've got a very interesting one when we get to the soundtracks, when we do the judging, but we'll save that conversation for then. Um, With every murder more sordid than the previous one, nothing prepares them or us for the heart-pulsating shocker at the end, when the contents of that box made John Doe into one of the most notorious on-screen villains. Finally, the angles... The faded tones, the close-ups and quick cutting to intense music were also unusual and disconcerting I was caught off guard. I immediately felt both mesmerised and at risk, and that was just during the opening credits. I've got this kind of structured, so we're going to go through again uh, the kind of various topics of the film rather than just rattle through the trivia, but if we even just start with the opening credits... I guess they go a, a decent way to preparing you for this horrible small universe that you're about to be inducted into. Universe is a bit grandiose, no? Yeah, I guess uh, city, because they don't even name the city, so replace yeah. it with that if you wish. No, it's fine. Just, I feel like we have, we're very different. We have quite different opinions on this film. Um, yeah, it's... it's, it's I don't want to say ingenious, but it's a very different opening credit, isn't it? 
Um, you just said you like the film. Yeah, but I can hear it in your voice already. You're, well, you're, you're going to be all over this, and yeah, it's alright. Even the films I've liked the least, I've driven my enthusiasm up to uh, bring some of that energy to the podcast. But no, I do, I do really like this film. My second time You've watching never, you, it. You, you, you don't, you don't do this. This, I can hear, actually hear this in your voice. I'm pumped up. I've had a haircut today. I'm feeling good, other than my cold. Um, so I'm feeling better than I did this morning, and I'm, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm not criticizing. You haven't got to defend yourself to me. I'm just saying. Look, I know you like this film. Yeah, I've got. Uh, and this makes me a terrible person, and I'm sorry to say it, but sometimes it annoys me when you really like a film. Why? I I, I can't put it into words. Well, just... I mean, it would be a pretty dull podcast if I didn't like many films because you seem to dislike ninety percent of them. No, I'm not saying if you didn't like. I'm saying your upper echelon, if you will. So, uh, just about it's. It's not about the films. Typically, it's about you. Oh. Most people tend to like this film, so I don't think I'm alone there. No, I'm not again. It's not the films. I'm, I'm hoping you've got a more uh, analytical mind today as well, because I do have some questions for you about the oh, themes and tones the, of the don't, film. Don't take the piss, will you? Oh well, we'll get. We're going to get into that. Um, Jesus. With the opening credits just alone, there are a few things that unnerve me in a film with some of the disgusting things that you've seen on film. And me and TK had a whole segment on Monday's podcast talking about the viral Dubai Porter Potty. Um, the what, sorry? Essentially, um, all of these Instagram influences you see flying out to Dubai, a selection of them are going to rich men's houses and being shit on for money. Oh. Um, and they're now being exposed online because that's the way the internet is in uh, 2022. Uh, and I got legal. TK to watch a video of this happening just to get a live reaction for the podcast. Oh, um... uh, but moving on from that, few things unsettle me more than dirty fingernails in films. I said previously, previously, and it's almost like uh, how I squirm more at someone being like gun butted than uh, being like, having like a chainsaw taken to them because you can somewhat relate to it. And I imagine we all had someone in our class at school who just had filthy long fingernails, and it's just the most horrible, horrible thing in the world. And it's the quickest way I would relate you to saying you may be a serial killer. I can see it in you. Do you buy your nails? No, I don't know. I've got a bad habit sometimes of picking them, but if anything, I just cut them more than you should, just to make sure they're always short and uh, well groomed. Mine, mine actually just do not exist. Like I just like I um I bite them in a, the most horrendous way. Well, at least there's no dirt under them. They don't. They literally don't exist, mate. Oh, that's good. You don't bite your toenails, do you? No, I think I'm not flexible. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, I was giving you the benefit of the doubt. That's not what stops me, but I'm just saying for the record, <laughs> it, it, it is actually a physical impossibility. My knee, hip, probably my neck would go if I tried to do that. I, I was reading uh, on Twitter the other day, there's this uh, woman and she kind of just posts, uh, basically women send her their like horrible relationship scenarios and the things that they've encountered and she tweets them all out anonymously. And... Uh, I saw one in the week where this girl had messaged her saying that she'd gone round to this lad's house for the first time. Um, this was the first time she'd been round there. And then before they were going to get into the business that uh, she'd come round for, 
he, he just started clipping his toenails like in the middle of the bed and Gosh. didn't brush yeah. them off or anything and then <laughs> expected her to somewhat I don't, I don't be care. in the mood. I don't, I, don't care if, I don't care if he does brush them off. Get out. That's fucking <laughs> disgraceful. <laughs> Feet. I've said it to you before. I'll say it to you again. Feet are jank. They are vile. Even to just do that, you're, you're either good looking enough that enough girls have just said this doesn't matter to me or you just have no social cues and just don't see why this could perhaps be alarming and grim to anyone but yourself i mean even uh, just in general it's to sit at home just clipping yourself in the middle of your bed is is weird in itself yeah it, yeah, it is weird i don't like i don't i don't know feet are fucking disgusting um, they freak they just freak me out I've just seen that Roy Hodgson is retiring again at the end of the season. Do you think this film would be better or worse if Roy Hodgson was John Doe? Is that a serious question? Yeah. When I tell you some of the people that were linked with it, his name probably won't be too out of place. I guarantee it wasn't fucking Roy Hodgson. Uh, No, but there's some alarming things. This is a terrible thing to say. Can I get away with it? Yeah, you can get away with it. We've spoken about worse already in this episode. Yeah, I don't know. But it's, it's, if John Doe's got a, spe- a full speech impediment, he's not scary. Hey? Imagine imagine if... Um, Is that wrong? Is that an invalid point? Think of some of the things he says. If he says that and can't pronounce his R's, they become no, instantly less scary. I've seen that in other films before. Yeah, and they're not scary. Um... John Doe is actually a very chilling villain. Okay, what if Hodgson was um, the gluttony victim at the start of the film? <laughs> Again, like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, they go to investigate his place. Yeah, no, uh, I, I understand what you're saying. No, no, I'm just going to set the scene here. And okay. like, Jesus, this, this, this guy's big. And Hodgson's retired at this point. And when they're doing the look around and they, they look at the floor, they see his feet tied up. And then they just flick up this photo frame and it's just a picture of that Fulham team before the Europa League final in about 2009. Brad Pitt is like, Jesus. That's that's Danny Murphy. That's Roy Hodgson. Um, Yeah, funny enough, I don't don't think I'd have enjoyed it quite as much. Each to their own. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have enjoyed it. I'm a a big uh, Roy Hodgson defender but I didn't have to watch his Liverpool sides uh, with any support, so there we go. Paul Kincheski. Fucking Jesus. <laughs> um, the first question, well, the first topic I did want to discuss with you is the pacing of the film. Um, for me, for a film this detailed, I don't think it feels particularly slow. Now, the first hour is definitely slower than the first hour, but Man on Fire is always the comparison to us. And there's a lot of meticulous detail in this, but I do think it keeps you going. And the energy just kind of surrounding what's going on, I don't think means that there's any kind of dragging going on, even on a rewatch. No, I get that. But when you've got... It's nice, that you, but you can spice in a kill and a different sin, and then you have to take in all that's encompassed in that different sin, don't you? Yeah, I guess that's why it changes up and it feels like it's something new because the murders are all unique. Yeah, so if they are unique, they're based on a different thing, but they are 
as killings go and depictions go, it's very different. So it, every time you come to a new scene, it's it reels you, but it sort of keeps you back in, doesn't it? So if, if instead of going around for dinner, if Morgan Freeman had just taken Brad Pitt swimming instead, it may not have had the same tone. Maybe not, it'd be a bit weird. <laughs> hey, maybe he wants to compete and he's uh, wants to get him in the what? zone. Morgan wants to compete. He's no, no. Morgan's he's the coach. He's he's oh, taking right. Brad Pitt swimming. Okay. Um. Yeah, maybe. I still think it'd be a bit weird, but I mean, part part of this, by the way, and part of the conversation was they were trying to get Brad Pitt away from the kind of pretty boy image. Like, yeah. I, I don't think they've made him like unattractive in this film. Like, he's 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 still Brad no. Pitt. Yeah, no, but they mean pretty boy in every sense of the word don't they the, the sort of the more light-hearted stuff because this is what's what what year was this this was 95 yeah so it's a very dark version comparing to floyd in true romance not floyd comparing to true romance yeah. 93 it's very 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 different isn't it if if you were going away from that image and i told you to order seven and fight club You'd you'd put seven after it, wouldn't you? Seven is more like you're veering away than running towards it. Do what? Re- 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 repeat the question for me. I so your own question. So, so I'm telling you. So say the direction you're going in is you're trying to steer Brad Pitt away from this kind of pretty boy persona, pretty boy kind of tag mm. that he's picking up. Yeah. If I told you that you're either going to order it and you're going to go seven, then fight club or fight club. And then seven, I feel like fight club is leaning into kind of Brad Pitt's looks and his style and that kind of thing more than seven is. So seven feels more like you're veering away from it. Whereas fight club feels like you're almost running towards it. Uh, uh, I, I actually think the opposite. I think the order's pretty, pretty perfect until the end. Like you said, he's still Brad Pitt, but it's pretty much a scumbag from what halfway through fight fight club. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just thought, I guess, so the looks wise, the way they're dressing him up, the fashion, they kind of lean into it a bit more. I think the orders, the order, the order. I mean, they literally have him ripping his shirt off and fighting in a basement, oiled yeah. up. Like, <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't actually have this done in my notes as a discussion, but <laughs> now that we're here, it's fine. Um, no, I think the order. I think the order is fine because I do think this is a really dark film, but this is less of a veer away from, less of a change up, possibly than just throwing him straight into Fight Club. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, some of the casting what ifs are very famous here, and if we do go through them, because I'd like us to look at the characters kind of in greater depth afterwards. Um, Robert Duvall was offered the role of Somerset, but turned it down. Document. Harrison Ford was also considered for the role of Somerset. Nope. When this was initially put into action, before Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt were cast, the initial roles were going to Pacino and Denzel. That's an unbelievable job. Pacino as Somerset, Denzel as Mills. Yeah, no, I yeah, no, no, I got that bit, mate. That would be unbelievable. Do you think that's a better two than this two? No. I legitimately think it is. 
Well, I think the kind of beauty of Morgan Freeman's role in this is that uh, when he needs to, he almost blends into the background. He's such an understated character that kind of shines through in spite of what the role is. Like the role Imagine of his... Pacino just playing Somerset like Vincent Hanna. Exactly. I, I, I contemplated doing an impression in my head there and then Jam I, I reeled myself man. back. <laughs> Honestly. All right, like you... You take Dan. Like, I like Brad Pitt, but you take Denzel over Brad Pitt. Yeah, I think. I don't. I don't know. Um, Denzel is. I do think. Look. Uh, yeah, I, I. I do think you take Denzel over Brad Pitt just in general for this. I think the way that Freeman and Brad Pitt bounce off each other. I think that Denzel and Morgan Freeman would feel like far more of a level. Um, even just the size of Denzel, I feel that he'd dominate the screen a lot more. There are very few. There are very few examples where, if you, if the casting what if is, you can take Denzel. I'm not going to tell you to take Denzel. So Den- Denzel says that his the biggest regret of his career is actually turning this down. Yeah, I understand that. Um, I don't know it. how it translated from screenplay and script to screen. But there's a lot of people that turn this down just for how dark and evil it is. And that's, those are the words that Denzel used. It's fairly, fairly accurate, you would say. Yeah. Do you think that Denzel can, he can obviously play the role, but I think the way it goes with Brad Pitt is how kind of uh, antsy Brad Pitt is. So he's, he's always on edge in this, like even in the scene where the tube, the, the subway is going past for the first time and uh, Somerset and uh, his girlfriend are laughing along and he's kind of like he's like biting his lip and he's like somewhat almost like emasculated like this is his house and people are laughing at it i think denzel i don't think he's as fidgety and i don't think he would play it like that i think he would play it far more macho whereas mills is almost like a like like, i was gonna say there's a certain level of fragility to uh, the macho that he puts on this way. You can see through it with just how quick he loses his temper and that kind of thing. Denzel, I think, is just... I think he's too cool, to be honest. No, I disagree. And if I was doing Denzel, I would have to be Denzel and Pacino rather than Denzel and Morgan Freeman. Like, I think Denzel and Morgan Freeman, I think the tone of the film's just all off because the two of them would just be too cool together. I appreciate your point. I do. I do. If I was taking Denzel, just as you've thrown it out there, I'd like to say Pacino because I think it would just be fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a very um, different film. Um, yeah, I think it's probably it's probably. I don't know, maybe it's not as good, but I'd love to see it. Like, yeah. By the way, prepare yourself for some of these other uh, casting what ifs. So uh, Sylvester Stallone turned down the role of Mills. Thank God. I was tempted by an impression. I'm just feeling brave today, but not brave enough. Um, Kevin Costner and Nicolas Cage were briefly considered for the role of Mills. Cage, yes. I did not. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's good as Brad Pitt. But if you want that nervous energy, <laughs> Nicolas, uh, Nicolas Cage. Kevin Costner, I think, is probably too cool. Yeah, I, I'd rather see um, Kevin Costner as like the police chief or something. Yeah. Um, so David Fincher was impressed with Gwyneth Paltrow and her work in Flesh and Bone 
And so she was his first choice for the role of Brad Pitt's wife. Um, she wasn't interested, which is quite surprising because this ends up being like her first big film that she does. Yeah. Brad Pitt, who's uh, dating her at the time, or we, we're now led to believe, Fincher basically says, come on, can you have a quiet word? Like she, she's, she's who I want. And he manages to talk her around. Fair enough. Got any casting wives for John Doe? Yes, and you're about to hear them. Please do. First one, Mal Kilmer turned it down. Yeah, I'm quite happy about that. You sure? This is like right around the time when he's starting to kind of lean in to the kind of weird characters that he starts to play. I think he could do this. I don't think he could. Well... I'm assuming you're sat down. You may need to lie down when I when I tell you uh, who was initially discussed by the studio. Uh, nothing to do with Fincher. I am let down, by the way. REM's Michael Stipe. Means nothing to me. I know the band, but it means nothing to me. Well, I've been gearing up to tell you this for about 48 hours. Oh. Well, I don't know the band well enough, so it doesn't. You know what he's he looks bold, like? Right? He's bold, he is. Yeah, he he yeah. he looks like about as creepy as you could have for this role. Huh. Looks wise, he's probably a great choice. Um, but we no acting experience. Um, he must have. He must just have a mate in the studio or something. To, and he's just mentioned it to them. And Imagine yeah, throwing him in for something like the yeah, like so, <laughs> no. If I I don't know what he was like for for the money. If it was a mate just trying to help help him out, but. You get, you get fucking, you just get bullied off the screen. As far as you can see, um, like Fincher doesn't even give it the time of day. Like he's not even referenced it since, so it clearly didn't get past anyone. Said, you know, have you considered what the hell are you talking about? Get out my sight. Um, okay. s- something I've seen considered previously could Cape Fear De Niro have done the John Doe role? No. They're chilling in different ways. Do you think if I take the Cape Fear side out of it, do you think De Niro could do the role? Objectively, yes. But compared to what you get, no. Is there anyone of, since John you watched the film that you considered and thought, okay, they could do a good job there? Sorry, sorry. Is there anyone else that you thought of that you think could do a good job here? No. You need someone... The, the the best part about John Doe is that he just looks unassuming. That's why De Niro can't do it. For the things oh. you said about Denzel being macho, De Niro's got the same same vibe. I would say uh, I listened to um, the rewatchables like after the first time I saw this. And it's always stuck in my head that one of the ones they referenced to do this role was uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Mm-hmm. But then it becomes, and this is no disrespect, but it just becomes hillbilly John but- John Doe. Yeah, I, I, that I think is the way they were going. But no, that, I think again the inter- and this again it sounds wildly insulting, and I, I, I so. I, I doubt Billy Bob Thornton or any of his representatives will ever listen to our podcast. <laughs> I, I apologise, but what it's... if they go down like um like a spiral so that they click on the bad Santa interview and then they kind of find their way here? 
It's a lot of listening, my friend. It's a lot of hours of you and I talking absolute bollocks. Um, what I mean, again, it's the it's spacious delivery. It's the intelligence. It is unassuming to look at, but it's the intelligence that's. And I'm not saying Billy Bob Thornton isn't intelligent. I'm just saying that in any film that I've seen him in, and that is purely down to the characters that I've seen him play, he just doesn't sound it. No, no, I, I, I it stuck in it's my head, cold, and I think it was cold, because of the kind of cold, southern cold side of it. Nature. It's almost Hannibal. Le- it's Hannibal Lecter esque. It's Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs esque. Yeah. It's the cold, calculating nature of it. It's someone who has the ability to, even though it's through a screen, to stare right through you. Yeah, can can I just say here, I, I feel like um, we did all the kind of uh, Kevin Spacey disclaimers when we did Baby Driver, and just for the sake of not doing that again, I don't think we need to. So assume, as you listen to this, that we do agree that Kevin Spacey is an awful bloke, but we are Great going actor. to, I'm sure, speak in glowing terms about his performance today. Great actor. Dick. Awful bloke. Yeah, um, right. we've done it again. Um, have one, you seen the Usual Suspect yet? Uh, yeah, I've seen it. I, I told you that I'd seen it because I, I didn't know the ending, and then it clicked with me actually when I saw, uh, when I saw the film, and then I related it to Scary Movie. But I didn't know that's what they were parodying the first time I saw Scary Movie when I was younger. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Movie, no, I remember that. Um, one Do you that remember I found... the Usual Suspect? Stop trying to interrupt me. Where? Oh, I thought you finished. Got somewhere to be. No, no, I'm just excited to tell you some of this trivia. For those who are listening, he asked me for enthusiasm. I'll try and start a conversation. I have four times he cut yeah, me off. You, your pauses get me. I've told you this before. Oh, look, what's called effects. Now, do you think, do you remember the usual suspect? Sorry, I should start by saying, because if not, the question's not on void. Yeah, for, for the most part. I couldn't no, quote yeah, I it to mind. you, but I know no, the, so the I don't plot You'll need to watch it again. We got it in the bracket, do we not? Yeah, we have, yeah. All right, I'll ask you the question when we do the usual suspects pod. Okay. Um, something I found hard to believe. So it, it's been said that Guillermo del Toro turned down the chance to direct this because he thought it was too dark and he considers yeah, himself well, to be a romantic. Guillermo would have made a good uh, good mills. Yeah, that's a good show. That's a good show, actually. Also in the usual suspects. And I'm going to tell you now, and you're going to disagree with me, I think Liam Neeson could do a good Somerset. Too young at this point. Oh, I'm talking if, like, retroactively, I can put old Liam Neeson in this role. I just think... He also can, for the reasons that you... Oh, I think knocked, he can. You've knocked back Pacino. He's not blending into the background. Uh, you don't think Liam Neeson's more understated than Pacino? No, no, I'm not saying that. I okay. agree. I think I if we had that, that scale... But if there's a point where understated becomes stated to overstated... Liam Neeson does not fit the capital they've understated. Are we in agreement that Pacino is literally the max point on the scale? Mm, not the max. I'm sure if you give me some time, I can think of people. Well, I, I'm not considering like Jim Carrey. I'm talking about this type of actor, if we were going to put one of them in there. Yeah, Nicolas Cage, fucking way more over, just overacts the fuck out of everything. More so than Pacino. The scene of where... The, the scene of where they uh, get to the crime scene and the woman's refused, refused to uh, call for help after her nose has been cut off. Him yelling at the crime scene that she's got a great ass. 
might have lowered the tone of the film. So disrespectful. She's got her head all the way up in the box. Nothing. Okay. Um, another friend of the podcast, actually, Jeremiah S. Chechik, was attached to direct at one point. Um, how the only film that I know he directed was um, the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So, again, I don't really know how he wound up anywhere near this. Cheap. Yeah, because the the story goes that after Alien. Three, I'm going to say it was David Fincher was so kind of uh, disillusioned by the way he'd been treated, the way he felt he'd been misled by studios and the financiers and all these kind of things that he was happy to just never make a film again. He was just going to go back to music videos, adverts and all of these kind of things. And then he stumbles across this screenplay and it just lights a, a match under him and he's like, I'm absolutely back in and then just goes on to make some of the best films that you're going to see for the next 30 years. Is that a dramatic pause, or are you just letting that one hang? I don't really have a lot to say about it, to be honest. All right, I'll ask you another question. When did Morgan Freeman stop making Morgan Freeman movies? When does he go from being Somerset to being... A president in a bunker. Bruce Almighty. I haven't looked through his IMDb to to say that's the cutoff point, but I don't know. Feels right, but he becomes a bit popular. I mean, he gets older at that point. And again, is that you think he just he's more than happy to do this? He probably thinks I'm Morgan Freeman. I have no one. I have no one left on this planet to impress or to prove anything to. He's got his classics as well, hasn't he? Like you see, like uh, like in the NFL, where you see like once you've won your Super Bowl and then you just go and play for cash. And mm. like, was it Edelman? He won. He won with the Pats, and then it's like, oh, I'll, I'll go and play with like the Dolphins or whoever it was. Yeah, just I've done a bit. I'm Morgan Freeman. I'm just gonna go and do whatever I want, whatever pays money, and whatever ain't hard work. But right, with the greatest respect to him, do you really think he's putting in graft to do Bruce Almighty? No, I mean, although you'd have to have no ego at all when you get the call to say, I'd like you to play God to then yeah, turn it down. A million, a million people have done it before. Um, so. If we move on to Brad Pitt, who we have mentioned already, to put you on the spot here, I would like your top three Brad Pitt roles in order. I've done, oh, fucking, I can't put me on the spot. I need to look at his IMDb, you dickhead. Why you don't just let me prepare these questions? Because then it uh, you don't like doing all homework. of not all of them, but like now you've got to wait five minutes whilst I read his IMDb. Well, I like the uh, first thoughts. Is there one that's popped into your head as number one? Yeah, but I know it's not the right answer, so I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Why? What? What was the first one that came in your head? You can change no, it after. I'm not going to tell you. So. No, because I know what it was. It was Troy, wasn't it? No, I've never seen Troy. What? Like fucking seven hours long, bro. Oh, Why have you not seen Troy? It's so long. <laughs> that is wow. Uh, I can't. Why? Oh, yeah. annoying. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Have you seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet? No. no. Oh, then why am I asking you this question? Well, 
if you'd have if you'd have asked me the question pre-pod, were you going to watch Troy and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood before? No, but I could have said, oh, I haven't seen this, I haven't seen this. You'd have known it was a it was a moot point. And Wikipedia doesn't have a link to Brad, Brad Pitt's um, filmography, so I'm going to have to go back and go to IMDb. This. Do you want me to just chuck some roles at you? No, no, I don't, because your first thought was Troy, and I no, I thought your first thought was Troy. No, incorrect. It's just IMDb's just loading his filmography now. I know you've got a soft spot for killing them softly. I do. I actually quite like that film. It's got my boy James Gandolfini on it. Oceans? Yeah, see, that was what popped into my head. But I, like, I can't. I don't actually think that's right. You a Mr. and Mrs. Smith guy? Love that film. That's in the bracket as well. Mm. Did you know he produced Vice? Uh, I do, because I just scrolled past it. Oh, this is all his producing credits, fuck's sake. Snatch? <laughs> God, I'm such a child. You've not seen Sleepers, have you? <laughs> no, I don't know what that is, to be honest. It's, it's right up your street, actually. Really? Yeah. De Niro, Kevin Bacon, Brad Pitt. Oh, it's about the priest? Yeah, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, I know what it is. I just haven't, no, I haven't seen it. That's um, two and a half hours long. Yeah. Twelve Monkeys? No, I never seen that. What's that? Um, it's not about twelve monkeys. Uh it's it's like a futuristic one. Uh, I never profess to be a, a great watcher of films. I just like the films that I watch. There's a big difference. Um to do, to do so of the films I've seen, I'm gonna go this is it do you do you want do you need it in an order or can I just I'd like it in order. Oh right, it just takes longer because I'll give you three films. Yeah, well, you can order them after then. All right. Moneyball. Okay. Inglorious Bastards. Okay. And Ocean's Eleven. Uh, no, I'm not going to go Ocean's Eleven because I've always preferred George Clooney in that. Um, Snatch. No, because I think he's better in this than he is in Snatch. And I think he's better in Fight I, I'm unsure if he's better in Fight Club than he is in this. Because he is. He's phenomenal in Fight Club. He's phenomenal in this. I'm not saying he's not, but I'm just saying I don't know which one he's better in. No, but you kind of hinted that you didn't think he was the other day, and it, it sat with me since. Uh, no, we'll get to, we'll get to this. Don't worry, I've got a point on this. Okay, what if I, I'll ask you a different question? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I do like I do like Spy Game. If you've never seen it, it's, it's shit, but I do like it. <laughs> I've seen nothing but pelters for that film. It's, it's, mate, it's Brad Pitt and Robert Redford. Great film. It's not it's shocking, but it's, it's quite fun. Um, have you ever seen The Devil's Own? Do you ever get a chance to watch that? No. Uh, don't, don't think you'd like it, but give it a watch. Not sure if you'd like it. Um, what did I just say? I've confused myself. I don't know. Um, you said Oceans. No, no, no. Um, Moneyball, Glorious Bastards. Probably maybe not his best performance, but one of my favourite from him is his character in the Oceans franchise. So we'll we'll yeah. f- we'll put it in there. I think Inglorious, Troy, and this, and it's probably seven Inglorious, and then uh, Troy. Okay, I'm probably not going to watch Troy. I'll be honest. Rephrased question: What do you think is the defining Brad Pitt role?
hoping you can't hear my chair squeaking. It's going mental today. Part of me thinks it's Fight Club. Okay. That was the first one that came into my head, um, yeah. but that was before I watched this, so I'm a bit seven-centric at the moment. Part of me does think it's Fight Club, mate, but I might be wrong. People might tell me different. Um, I think we've commented between us that we'd gone away somewhat from the quote section that we used to go through on the podcast. And I did want to take a moment that Brad Pitt has some excellent one-liners in this. If you'd like to read from him. Yeah, I, I mean, certain films. He's a nutbag. Just because the fucker's got a library card doesn't make him Yoda. The one that really had me, like, pumping my chest... You're no messiah. You're a movie of the week. You're a fucking t-shirt at best. And one that just seemed out of character. (laughs) When they're at the crime scene for the lawyers and he's in the background of the shot, bending over, bending over the desk, going, you see this? This is us. He's fucking us. And I just, I don't believe that was in the script. I think that's definitely him improvising and Finch has just enjoyed it. Very possible. Because they're not usually joking at the crime scenes otherwise, and, you, and suddenly he's bending himself over a desk. Yeah. Don't know. Somerset says, you do the talking, put that silver tongue of yours to work. And Mill says, have you been talking to my wife? Cheap. What do you think about the fact that his character just hates reading? He's clearly an intelligent character. What would you like me to say? A lot of people ain't reading. Yeah, but he's supposed to be one of the best detectives out there. And he just resents one of the most important parts of his job. Yeah, I I get that. I'm not reading for work. I don't know if it was just to do the comparison with his and Somerset's character, where Somerset almost in all of his free time just seems to spend it looking up on his cases. But Mills is going to the extent of getting the cliff notes and he's just pronouncing everything wrong. Yeah. Didn't, again, I don't know what you, I don't know how after this many episodes you expect anything different from me, but didn't really consider it. Okay. A note about just something I took down about a different character in the film that just made made me uh, laugh. When... Mills is questioning the guy who works in the massage parlor and he's like, do you like what you do for a living? These things that you see? And he's like, no, I don't really. That's life. Just made yeah. me laugh at the time. He's probably the most down-to-earth person in this film. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. He knows the script. Did you like the return on, I'm going to forget his name, um, He's the guy who's in heat on the other end of... Uh, is it because she's got a great ass or fat ass? Great ass, isn't it? Great ass. Yeah. And he, he pops up again in this, and he's on the receiving end of the fact that he's been given almost like a strap-on with a knife on the end to go through a hooker. And that he just you, backs, um, that you he don't just, know who that is shocks me. Uh, if you tell me his name, I'm sure it'll come back to me. Hank Azaria. Okay, it's back with me. Where you've mentioned him earlier, I just had Hannah stuck in my head. Mm, and no. I thought that's definitely not his name. Do you know um, what he's probably most famous for? Go on. He's in The Simpsons. 
Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I just see right on time. Recent controversy. He was the voice of a poo. Blimey. Mm. That'll be where I recognise his face from in recent times. Um, he goes all in there. Now, great, great casting. Great casting credit, by the way. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Just in this film in general. Mark Boone Jr., who ends up, is also in a load of other shit that we've spoken about before. Uh, he ends up being in the uh, Sons of Anarchy. But do you know what is, is, he's credited as in this film? Go on. Greasy FBI man. <laughs> Just a note on uh, Azaria in this. For any kind of comments about the fact that he does max out these kind of five minutes in this, could you even begin to portray how traumatised you would be if you are just given this machete strap-on? Because I can't imagine that's a pretty picture. I also don't think it's Hank Azaria. Is it not? (laughs) I don't think it is. (laughs) I've given him a new credit, if so. He's got those kind of weaselly eyes. The guy in Seven, uh, the guy in Heat, definitely is. But I am almost convinced... And you can tell me I'm wrong, but I'm almost convinced that it's not Hank Azaria. I'm just going through uh, IMDb to see if I can... No, you're right. It's um, Leyland Orza. Ah, he's Sam in Taken. No, he's your man's mate who's in it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry I didn't recognise him for his three-second appearance. What do you mean? Got a good little appearance in that. He says he's, one in Dare- line. he's in Daredevil as well, the film. Uh, is that a Ben Affleck one? Is that not Ben Affleck, whoever that is. He's in Pearl Harbor with Ben Affleck. Who's Daredevil in the film? It is Ben Affleck. Oh, was right. Cool. Never seen it. Quite enjoyed the bits of the TV show I watched, though. Great TV show. I haven't finished it. Disgrace. No, oh, well, no, I've I embarrassed no. myself for the episode, but we'll carry on. No, you've made worse cock-ups. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Um, should we save talking about the ending? Because I've got quite a bit on that. And I imagine that's where your main conversation points about Brad Pitt come in. Yeah, if you want. I mean, what else have you, what else have you got before then? Uh, a bit about Morgan Freeman and the way. Do you want to break? Do you, if you? I don't particularly want to break down all all of the murders. I'm not being funny. No, no, I haven't got that at all. I've got a bit <clears> of trivia <throat> about how they set some of them up. But um, Morgan Freeman, I thought something that summed up the film quite nicely is when he says, "If we catch John Doe and he turns out to be the devil, I mean, if he's Satan himself, that might live up to our expectations. But he's not the devil. He's just a man." And that's effectively sums up the film, I think, in that this isn't some supernatural being doing this. This is an ordinary person like the two that are having the conversation. And it's just that the world is a horrible place. Like anything that anyone loves in this film is taken away from them. Like the crime, ultimately she could save herself, but the crime that this model has is that she likes what she sees when she looks in the mirror and she has her nose cut off for it. I guess the only other person that's bad is there's the paedophile that's uh, he's in the bed. But everyone else, even the lawyer, as greasy as he is, he's doing his job. 
and yet all of these people meet a grisly murder. And nine times out of ten, for all we know, <laughs> these aren't the worst people you're ever going to find. There's going to be somebody worse. And that's why I think uh, it kind of sums things up quite nicely. Because otherwise, the way you've built it up, the fact that you've not seen Kevin Spacey to this point, it kind of lowers the tone as well. You're not going to see some grand muscular killer that's ripping people uh, limb from limb. He is what he is and uh, sums it up quite nicely and shows the experience difference between Somerset and Mills that he's trying to lower his expectations. Mm. He's very good in this, Morgan Freeman. Um, yes, he is. I mean, he's, he's more drum. Yeah, but when you read this character, I can't imagine there's much for you to kind of dig into. There's not like a quirk that you can go off. There's not really a moment of raised temperament that you can kind of get into and say, okay, this is what the kind of trigger is for my character. The brief he basically has is a guy who doesn't have many friends. He doesn't have a relationship. He's just dialed into his job and he's very kind of accepting when it's come to it. He's seen up to this point what he believes is the worst thing he's ever going to see. And so for such an understated character, for you to have the memory of Morgan Freeman when you turn the film off, it's something quite incredible that he's able to do with that part. He plays, he's in a different scenario, but he gets to play the cliched old school detective. And that is a character that I generally, or a character type that I genuinely am just all in on. The grizzled cop who's just been around the block, seen it all. Usually, do you, do you not think you get some kind of origin story with that? So it's he saw this back when he was 17 years old, and this is what made him be a cop. And so you have those kind of trigger points. There's seemingly none of that for Morgan Freeman. No, but the film is centered around Mills, isn't it? Essentially, well, you, the, the opening shot is of Somerset, the closing shot is of Somerset. Yeah, but in between, you open this. I mean, sorry, I was going to say something, I was going to say something incredibly stupid, then I won't. Um, but the film is very, it is more mill centric, be that the performance, the energy, the character that they did chosen to be, the way that they elected to it when they were cutting it. But that that is the fact. That is a fact. Now, I know this didn't win anything. <laughs> I don't think it was, I think it may have won something for editing actually at the Oscars. But if you were going to put together the nominations for this and you were nominating one of these four best actors, then would it be? Brad Pitt, you'd put up on Morgan Freeman. Brad Pitt. Okay, I didn't think that's the way you were going, so uh, we'll move on. I wouldn't nominate him for it, but if I had to pick one, you were saying if I had to. We're going to fall out in about 20 minutes, I think. Um, Why? Because I think you're being very disrespectful and it's just taking me back to everything that you all said about training day and that wound me up as well. My point about training day is still valid to this if i think you're going to say what i think you're going to say then again i would have you down as being in the less than one percent that feel that way but we'll get there in 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 not much time history is revisionism mate um in terms of the making the movie the makeup for the sloth victim took over 14 hours to do um when they were filming this they actually didn't tell the actors who were the uh swat agents that he was going to be alive in the script. So that is a genuine look of horror when he does cough and uh, starts moving. That's not fun. Oh. No, and in terms of going all in in that with, with the size of the role, 
they say that he essentially deprived himself of deprived himself of sleep for about three days and mastered essentially breathing too much before filming the scene and so he he was effectively hyperventilating when you do get on camera yeah. and i bet he was paid horrifically <laughs> yeah he's done too much now <laughs> there's no need for it i know you're gonna be in a blockbuster here but <laughs> i i always think when say this is one of your first big breaks and your family and friends say, okay, what role are you playing? And you have to actually say, I'm like a zombie nonce, basically, in this position. Do you just say, I've got a small part? You, you can't explain that to people, surely. No. It takes too much effort. It's not even, like, it's not <laughs> even like, I wouldn't want to describe myself as a zombie nonce in any context. But well, I would hope not. When you, when you have to set it up, because, like, that leads to so many more questions. It's not even describing, because <laughs> you could give a very accurate description. Yeah. But then my first question is, if I've never seen the film, and you describe that scene to me, and I don't know what it's about, because obviously it's new at this point. Yeah. My first question is, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Um, they actually took two months during uh, the making of the film to complete all of John Doe's books. They were real books, all filled with individual texts and stories that were written exclusively for the film. Uh, they paid about $15,000 for these to be made up. And according to Morgan Freeman, two months is about the time that it would have taken the police to read all the books. So it worked quite nicely. Hmm. Yeah. Do you know there's a comic about this as well? I didn't, but sounds interesting. Yeah. Did you ever did you ever get the Sin City ones that you mentioned? No, they were quite expensive. I yeah, you did say that at the time. Yeah, um, maybe maybe one day, but they were quite expensive, and it's yeah. just I don't know. Uh, for the greed scene, Gene Borkin, who plays the victim, was hogtied and only wearing his underwear for most of the shoot. He was covered in over two gallons of fake blood, and by the end of the filming, the blood was so thick and sticky that his knees became stuck to the floor. Just a shit. <laughs> and again, I'm sure he wasn't I'm paid sure as well as he should that. have been. He's probably been paid about 250 quid for that. Yeah. Um, it's not from there. The, the cinematographer was given the direction by Fincher that he almost wanted to make a black and white film in colour, which I guess made sense to him, but doesn't make much sense to me. <laughs> I think I understand it, but I understand it. Yeah, it but you can't explain it. <laughs> I I understand what it means to me, but this is because it's a film about police. If this was about something else, I don't think I'd understand it, but I immediately thought of other old school detective films, Yeah, which once again, I'm all in on. Um, the diner that Somerset and Tracy meet at is the same diner that Denzel and Ethan Hawke meet at in Training Day. In fact, it's the same booth the quality coffee shop in downtown LA. Mm, fair play. And I did reference that on the Training Day podcast, which we will be doing Training Day Part 2 later in the year. I think before that ends, to be honest. Yeah, a couple of changes to the script. So, um, The original script had a strange dwarf-like woman as part of the forensics team, appearing in every one of the cleanups after a murder, and just was there to hurl foul language at Somerset and Mills. I'm in. 
I don't know why that was there. I don't know. At some point, they were like, this is too much, and they took they took her out. Or know, like, she should go and always Somerset. You can't get here. Like, <laughs> what, what? What? What was? The, what was the like thinking for this? Like, for one, why did it have to be a dwarf? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, the midget thing's weird. Um, not a midget, a dwarf. Oh, my apologies. Um. <laughs> But <laughs> just imagine if there was just she's just they're just giving her feeding her one-liners just to sling at them. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think you need anything to kind of lift the mood in this film. I think the couple of moments of comic relief you do get hit better because there's so few of them, and I think they're very cynical. Whereas what we read there feels like it wasn't cynical. It's more just I, I don't really know to be honest. I think you'd have to ask David Fincher about that. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, uh, I don't. Well, I mean, I, he's the one who's probably taken that out, though. Because that's yeah. in the script. Yeah. But I do think just someone slinging one line is at him. This would be great. The, but yeah, I don't know. Um, according to Brad Pitt, there was originally a scene where Mills and Somerset discussed thumb recall, which involves cutting off the thumb of anyone convicted of a violent crime, and then there's no way they'd be able to fire a gun. Uh, the scene was ultimately cut from the film because they were afraid someone else would actually roll with it. So if you commit a violent crime, they take your thumb off. Yeah. But you'd have to cut both off, right? I guess so. Because you can shoot a pistol, yeah. presumably. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying vigilante justice, I mean, it's not for me. But um, some fucking deterrent. Yeah, in, in terms of the mood of the film, do you like the fact that it's raining the whole way through? Because that's clearly a very conscious decision. Yeah, it reminds me of Sin City. Um, I really like it. Yeah, I knew you would. I, I, mean, I like heavy rain in films, basically. Yeah, but... I know you do. I know you do. I wasn't saying as an insult, I just happen to know that you like that. I think it's weird that you're so fascinated by it, but there we are. Excuse me. I like rain in general, to be fair. Um, I fucking hate rain. We'll get into Gangster Squad, where we have a great heavy rain scene at the end. Oh, is that where they're fighting in the... Yeah, in the fountain. Yeah. Um, pointless. So Brad Pitt actually slipped and smashed his hand through a windshield while filming the chase scene with John Doe. Yeah. Um, he actually severed several of the tendons in his arm, had to have some surgery and then had to wear a cast or some kind of protection on his arm. So instead of halting filming, they just worked it into the script because it worked quite nicely. And so just uh, turned out quite well. They had, to re- they had to redo a couple of scenes, but nothing too much. Uh, Brad Pitt says that David Fincher turned green on the set because when showing him the wound, you could see the white of the bone in his hand. Fucking Brad Pitt's a weird man. That's grim. <laughs> I feel like if you said to me, do you think Brad Pitt went around showing people? But yeah, they definitely did. Um, that's disgusting. I saw some clips recently from, I know you've referenced those kind of roundtable things before, and I don't know if it's the same series, but it's just kind of a face-to-face interview with um, Brad Pitt and Adam Sandler. Have you seen this? No, it doesn't sound like Maybe it's the same thing, but the roundtable... It's it's follow it's just after Uncut Gems has been released. The Sandler's like genuinely like glowing, 
because Brad Pitt tells him that he loved his performance at Uncut Gems, and it's just quite a nice little uh, back and forth with the two. Would you? Yeah, yeah. He says he was like a fucking Brad Pitt's telling me like, I, I, I've got some good acting. He's like, yeah, this is, this is great. Yeah. Uh, they seem to have a good energy between them, so I think I'll go back and watch the whole thing at some point. I don't know. I don't. I think we're talking about. It. I think we are. Maybe it is the same, but there are. I think when I saw um, the title of it, um, it, it it matched with what you'd referenced previously. The Hollywood. Yeah. Hollywood Reporter, Hollywood Insider. I think it's Insider, yeah. Uh, and then it's Round Table, mate. I, I'll be honest. If you get a chance to listen to anyone. Some of them, then just bang it in YouTube if anyone's not seen them. Yeah. 40 minutes long. Obviously, listen to the pod first, but 40, if you've got 40 minutes to spare or want to cut it up, just give them a listen. Some of them are incredibly interesting. Some of them are a little bit more fluffy, where it's just six people who obviously know each yeah. other talk about how great they all are. But some of them, where they're asking questions and there's people in there that you wouldn't necessarily put together and they're referencing each other and how what. And it's just it's very, very interesting. The director's ones are my favourite because it's my an element of film that I love like you know me Luke I always say always talk Tarantino and so on and so forth so they are very much worth watching Um, how much and I, I don't think they're your type of film but how much do you think a film like this influenced the likes of Saw because the very premise of that is the idea of kind of sinners having to overcome some kind of torture to like reclaim their life and you have yeah. a couple of instances in this with um uh i can't think which maybe the sloth one is it where um he's having to cut off a pound of flesh uh the spot nose despite your face it's uh you can phone this number and you'll be able to live but you'll have you'll be hideously scarred and just a couple of those things you've got to think there's some kind of tie-in yeah yeah, yeah, I, I have to admit, I I've never seen enough of the Saw films to to have made the comparison. To be honest, I know you're not a I can say you're not a big gore guy like that's a detriment to you. Um, no, I'm not. And uh, well, no, I'm but not even big, like I'm not a big horror guy, I'm happy to admit that. But no, nor am I really. But the later films uh, get a bit more eccentric. But the first Saw film is brilliant. Um, on Friday at work told me that Saw 2 objectively is just a good film Saw 2 is the one where uh, she falls into a pit of needles does she die? no but she gets out and all the needles are stuck in her because she was a junkie (laughs) yeah I know it would hurt but of some of this stuff isn't there one where someone has to pop their eyeball out or some shit or cut her off there's all sorts yeah so is that not the easiest one? Well, she's already survived a trap by this point, and she gets oh. pulled back in. <laughs> oh, sorry, but like, if that was just a one-off. No, this was like to get to the next stage. No, yeah, that wasn't that. That was kind of finding the needle in a haystack was the kind of reference in that in that case. But you have mm. to go through several. This wasn't one where you kind of wake up in it. It was more of a kind of labyrinth of get through okay. this one onto the next one. Okay, fair enough. Like you say, it's a one-off. If you like, I, I think they're they're decent films. Axe trying to cut his leg off. Yeah, they, for for a f- film where the large parts of the premise are cutting off parts of your body and that kind of thing, there is a certain level of intelligence to them that you wouldn't expect. Um, 
and they kind of lose that as the films go on. But I, I do enjoy them. There's no, some big interwoven story between a lot of them. Pardon, sorry? There is like a big interwoven story. Between yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Um, the latest one was interesting where Chris Rock is the lead guy and you're kind of milking it by that stage. But they tried doing the whole thing, which we seem to have now of doing the universe of a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, inch, inch a couple of extra quid out in that. Yeah. Um, just before we go on some other things, Kevin Spacey, of course, is worth referencing uh, more than we have already. So the producers insisted right down to the end that he should receive top billing at the start of the film. Um, but he actually had to insist that his name doesn't appear in the opening credits, which obviously is the perfect move because you want to surprise the audience with the identity of the killer. If you see Kevin Spacey's name in the opening credits, an hour and a half in, you've still not seen him. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to say, I think he might be the killer in this case. Um, Spacey did say that it also meant that he didn't have to do any of the marketing during its release or any of the public appearances. Do you think that you could get away with this today? When you look at, say, Spider-Man, of all the spoilers that came out with that, do you think you could get away with having Spacey, who is a star by this point, yeah, be in a film like this and we don't know about it? You could definitely get away with it, but you... Yes, you could definitely get away with it. it you reckon? I think, I think the age of spoilers, we'd know. Give yeah, it how? There's someone that will always leak it. Maybe that would have been the same then. I don't, well, clearly not. But this is what I'm saying. If you could do it then, you could do it now because that was still the, that was still the same. You just spoiled it. No, we weren't in the Twitter age then. Yeah, no, but that that doesn't make that doesn't mean that we're, it just means that the information is more accessible. If you were, well, yeah, you, so you you get away no, with it far easier now. No, it's no. I'm not explaining myself. It's just that there are more idiots fucking revealing the same bollocks, right? But the actual leak itself, it's still the same. The I think le- it was far easier to conceal in 1995 than it is in 2022. I'm not saying it's not, but you asked. It's not the question you asked me. You said, "Could you get, Could away, you get away with it?" And I'm saying yes. I don't think it has the same impact. But that's a different fucking point entirely. It all kind of ties into the same thing. Well, no, it doesn't. A lot of the impact is because you don't know he's there. If you know he's there, then it's not the same impact. And I think you find no, out at this at this you- time. No. You're not on social media as much. This would get out. Right, it's fine. But I st- still think you could do it. I still absolutely think you could do it. Because I, do, I do, do, you, you could, you can, you can still do this. People just elect not to. And again, Twitter just means more fucking idiots can see it. More fucking idiots just about the same shit. Yeah, but so more people see it. Yeah, but that's after the fact, isn't it? That's after, no. After, well, like, a lot of these spoilers break before the film's even in cinemas. <clears throat> I still think you could do it. And the point about it having less impact, what if if they got away with it, it would have less impact? Or well, I think if you if you know he's in the film, then you're going to hear about it. So you're going to it's not going to have the same impact. Well, I agree to disagree. Um, I wanted to ask you about a story that Somerset reads from one of John Doe's journals where he says on the subway today a man came up to me to start a conversation he made small talk a lonely man talking about the weather and other things I tried to be pleasant and accommodating but my head hurt from his banality I almost didn't notice it happened but I suddenly threw up all over him 
he was not pleased and I couldn't stop laughing. How do you react in that situation? I'm more likely to be John Doe. <laughs> if, if someone pukes on you after you've just said, oh, the weather's a bit funny today, isn't it? How are you responding in that situation? Because if he's laughing as well, that shows a certain level of madness where you're perhaps more hesitant to react. Yeah. I do get his point about the fucking headache, though. God, a lot of people small talk shit. Yeah. And ultimately, his reveal, I think, it is great in this, just the kind of grandstand detective. You're looking for me, covered in blood down on his knees and that's one of the first instances we see of Mills where he he's very disgusted at the type of man that John Doe is is mm. enough because like he's getting down on the floor and he's yelling and cursing and swearing at him which is completely reasonable but it shows why John Doe targets him and not Somerset yes it does works, works, works very well so the police work in this where they effectively two of them point out this guy has managed to mastermind his way to these elaborate killings of five people. He wouldn't just hand himself in now. And the police chief is like, well, we got him. What the hell do you mean? We've got him. Your, your phone keeps vibrating, by the way. You might need to uh, silence it or something. It's on silent. That's why it's vibrating. You want to turn the vibrate off? I don't know how you do that. I mean, it doesn't usually do it, so it should be on. It always does. Sounds or something. Well, I mean, it's not usually vibrating during it because I can hear it down the headset. It's normally just on my chest. That's the problem. But um, I have to mute, mute the chat or something. Should do it. Um, it text me. What What do you think about the police work there? More awful police work. Yeah, there's not a lot. There's not a lot of good in this, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> legitimately, if he if he don't walk into the police station, they just never catch him. Never catch him. No. Also, it, it, it takes... He's gambling on some quite good police work that for the first killing, they realise that the shavings inside of his chest are from behind the fridge. Like, If he doesn't notice that, then the whole film is just down the pan. Yeah. He probably has he's to... He's got throw. a lot of faith in Somerset. Although you, you make the assumption that... Because ultimately, he wants to get caught, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the whole. That that's that's the whole point. Um, but you wonder if if there's an alternate version of this film where they don't notice this. Do you get to the fourth film and he's just leaving bigger and bigger clues? Well, one of my overriding questions actually is, at what point does he decide that Mills is going to be his victim? Is it? When he's the photographer where we see him for the first time but we don't know it and he spells his name out M-I-L-L-S now fuck off. Is it at that moment snap? Okay, I've just seen well, he a says glimpse he, of your temper. It's not the temper. He says he, he actually says it's because he's jealous of the life he has with Tracy, doesn't he? Yeah, so is is that if if Mills is perfectly fine in that moment and he says I'll give you your answer. Here's what's going on. Not a problem. Does he find someone else or or not? Well, I don't, I don't think so. He never, he never alludes to it being because of that. He does, just says he's jealous of his life. So does he still... Yeah, I doesn't hone in on it before then to then become jealous of his life. 
Yeah, wasn't sure. No, no, that's uh, all right. I was, asked, I was a genuine question. You saying yeah. that if he, yeah, I, I don't know like at what point civil, he decides if, he, if he's civil with him in that scene. You think he doesn't focus on? Yeah, I, I don't Mills. know at what point he even knows that Mills is on the case because Mills transfers in on the first day, so he doesn't know that Mills is going to be there for the first murder because that's done before Mills even arrives in town. Yeah. So at some point he decides yeah. that's going to be my final victim. And he has to have a glimpse of yeah. his temper to know that he can get the reaction out of him to get the seventh sin. That's probably it, mate, yeah. So, that's, that is probably it. You're so right. if, if he reacts nicely there, maybe he finds someone else who he can get, who, who snaps at him. Lesson in life, don't be a dick. Yep. Brad Pitt earns seven million for starring in this film. And then what was it we said last week? 17 and a half he gets a fight club. So yeah. not a bad couple of years. He's moving in the right direction. Yeah. Kevin Spacey, by the way, this and Usual Suspects out in the same year. Yeah, huge. Mental. In 2001, the Patriot Act gave the government the ability to monitor library records. So as we saw at this point in the film, isn't legal at the time, but goes on to become legal after, which feels a bit fishy to me, but... I this, I know the reasoning behind it was... America, go to America. No, it was in case someone's checking out four four different books on building a bomb, essentially, was the reason they gave. Yeah, I, I do think if you're going to do that, probably be more intelligent and don't Google or go to a library and find out how to build a bomb. But maybe if you are doing that, you're not in the best uh, frame of mind anyway. Don't even know how else I'd find the information other than Google or, or a library. Um, meet a soap dispenser. True, true, true. Let's talk about the ending of the film then. So it goes on to be one of the most iconic scenes of the last however many years. As you referenced last week, it's been parodied many times. It's been referenced many times. The executives at New Line hated the ending at first. And it took Brad Pitt's refusal to make the film if the ending was changed for them to uh, agree to it. This, this was the first time they were really pumping money in to do a big film at New Line. Okay. And it seems crazy to me that you choose this, by the way, because it feels like you're swinging haymakers from the jump. Like you're not jabbing your way through this one. Um, no, I, I guess that. it pays. But they off. do, they do put their money where their mouth is. Like this is big in cast. Yeah, and if you actually look, and it's always cool when we get to reference this. This is one where the earnings of the film actually kind of increases over time. Like the word of mouth does really carry it through. Hmm. Um. Oh, I could. Mate, do you imagine? Go, imagine say you saw this in the cinema on a Wednesday night. Comes out on a comes out on a Friday night. You go and think, you think, oh. I like Morgan Freeman, I like Brad Pitt. I'm going to go and watch this. Obviously, you don't know Spacey's there. You go into it the next day, there's no way this isn't the only thing you want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Trying? I would like, I fucking watched this film last night. Whatever you're doing this weekend, go and see it. I've been trying to have conversations about this since Monday, and just seemingly every person i tried to talk to hasn't seen it. It's been the most disappointing thing ever. Um, okay, so the various different iterations that we could have got. So, the ending that Fincher wanted, and he still 
very, 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 very angry to this day that he doesn't get the ending he wants. At the point where Mills pulls the trigger, you were going to get a Soprano-style cut to black, end of the film, and he was going to have you sit in the cinema for a moment with the lights still out, and you just reflect on what the hell you've just seen. I think that would have been panned at the time. Nowadays, we'd look back on it and say that was brilliant. They botched it in the screening they did in New York City when all the executives were there. Uh, as soon as it cuts to black, the house lights in the cinema came on. Uh, okay. So you had no reflection time at all. It was just like, bang, that's it. Mm. Now what do you think? And then, and then immediately, they give out all of these questionnaires. What do you think of the film? Blah, blah, blah. And people hated it. They say... Fincher was in there and they were trying to ask like who's your favorite character and they just they're not getting answers out of people and he says three pe- three women he says he can vividly remember walked by him once uh, the film was over and <laughs> you heard them say the people who made that movie should be killed he says he says they were already off to a bad start because, and we've, we've heard this happen several times now, rather than actually get people into the screening that were the target audience, they picked up people by asking them, do you want to see a new movie starring Brad Pitt, star of The Legends of the Fall, Morgan Freeman from Driving Miss Daisy? Yeah. And Fincher says, I don't know what the fuck they thought they were going to see. He says, I'm just yeah. telling you, from the reaction of the people in there, they could not have been more offended. Well, we see, like you say, we see this mistake when yeah. you see this mistake, and then you tell me about these mistakes when you do your research over and over again. There's just, they just don't, I don't know. There's, and then there just seems to be a lot of it. But I suppose it's people with money, they're not necessarily cinema people, you know. He says, he says, someone came up to him on their way out and said, Don't be depressed, you, I'm sure you'll get another job. Hmm. An alternate ending was that John Doe actually hadn't killed Mills' wife. he just substituted a lookalike into the box. Mills then has no justification for killing an unarmed man and will spend the rest of his life in jail. That's Somerset great, decides not to retire, gives his country house to Mills' wife and her unborn baby. That's a great ending, by the way. I don't know if I like it more. I like it more than the first alternate you've given. Uh, another alternative Not was that Somerset takes the gun, shoots John Doe himself, essentially sacrifices himself so that yeah. Mills doesn't succumb to the rage. Mm. The body shots, by the way. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, the justification for shooting an unarmed man shoots him once, falls to the floor. Does the little slow mo, takes a step, and then just unloads the rest of the clip into the dead body. I think that's the sign of the rage that. I understand that, but it just made me chuckle last night. It was like watching a fucking. It's like like he was playing Call of Duty, body shot in his apartment. Like Tommy Atcher carrying on punching after uh, Pete stopped moving. Um, unloads uh, the full clip on him. Another ending that was uh, rewritten. Uh, John Doe kidnaps Mills. Somerset discovers that he's been 
that John Doe was raised by an abusive priest in a church orphanage. He finally traces Doe to a decrepit church decorated with artwork depicting the seven sins, where Doe is intent on making Somerset murder him out of vengeance. As Somerset arrives, John Doe is cut across in Mill's chest and suspended him above an altar and shoots him. Mills finally dies in Somerset's arms as the church is set on fire. Doe and Somerset subsequently engage in a shootout with Somerset wounding Doe and letting him die in the flames. The script ends with Mills' funeral. That feels like an ending we've probably seen a couple of times in various different ways. Yeah, but yes, yeah, very much so. But it would, be an in, would have been interesting to watch Fincher film that. Or to I don't see think Fincher it has the film. same impact. No. I think they make it. He makes it incredibly dark, rather than action centric. Yeah. So, even after the screenings, the director and actors still wanted the film to end with the cut to black. Um, mm. New Line felt that their only compromise they were willing to do was for the narration of Somerset, quote, quoting Ernest Hemingway, added as a compromise. So, Fincher hated it. Freeman hated it. Um, the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the second part, but they liked it more than the other endings that were being suggested. Fair enough. What do you think of the decision not to show the head in the box? Uh, I think it's better than showing it. I agree. I think, I think you can you only get that wrong. And it's just Gwyneth Paltrow, Paltrow's head. It's a big shock factor in the cinema. They, they did actually make a fake head and it was used later on in Contagion um, for an autopsy on a character that Gwyneth Paltrow played. No, didn't know that. Um, but I just think, I don't, I don't know. I, there would have been a shock factor in, the, in the, the cinema, but now you and I would be sat here and I would be talking about how I laughed. Yeah, you'd probably do it like a quick cut, wouldn't you? Like you'd show maybe the hair overlapping mm. or something. Yeah, possibly. Um, yeah, Morgan Freeman says that he never got to see a head in a box. Um, and he says, nor has he ever seen anyone's reaction to finding a head in a box that he could reflect upon. So he says he's still not satisfied with the way he reacts when Somerset opens the box. Hmm. Fair enough. The real honest reaction is you drop the box, the head spills out. Yeah, Yeah, that's fair. Question, how do you go about mailing a head to someone? So, take it to the post Only office. real criticism Wait. of the film for me. Take it to the post office, ask him to wait, record a delivery. John Doe walks into the police station covered in blood. At, at what point does he, covered in blood, get someone to pick up the head in a box? Door does he leave it somewhere with a note? Doorstop courier service? Yeah, I mean, it works well. Um <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> you've got some guys in a helicopter that just don't seem very alarmed by the van driving towards them in the middle of the desert. No, no, they are. They're, they're showing quite a nice day out, to be honest. Yeah. Did that hurt your eyes at all? The, the, the shots from the helicopter, they're really bugging my eyes. The kind of jitteriness of them. They are. It's almost like, it's almost like it's horrible. Rainy. Uh, what do you think? of the car trip with uh, John Doe on the way into the desert where best scene of the film yeah so so good when when his voice just gets gradually angrier and angrier as he explains how can you possibly think these are innocent people 
Yeah, it's meant, mate. It's like, it's not quite a monologue, but it's sensational. Yeah. A disgusting man who could barely stand up. A man who, if you saw him in the street, you'd point him out to your friends so they could join you in mocking him. A man who, if you saw him while you were eating, you wouldn't be able to finish your meal. A woman so ugly on the inside she couldn't bear to go on living if she couldn't be beautiful on the outside. Doesn't make her guilty of a lot, though. Uh, Let's not forget the disease-spreading whore. Only in a world this shitty... Could you even try to say these were innocent people and keep a straight face? But that's the point. We see a deadly scene on every street corner, in every home, and we tolerate it because it's common and trivial. I'm setting the example. What I've done is going to be puzzled over and studied and followed forever. And then you have that great little back and forth where Mills thinks he has the upper hand in this scenario. And he's kind of jabbing at him, isn't he? Yeah. Saying, if you're mad, do you know you're mad? And I think if you do choose to watch this again, it's one of those scenes that actually gives you more on the second viewing because you see the smirk on Mill's face and know what's about to come for him. And you realise that he really doesn't have the upper hand like he believes he does. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll rewatch it, to be honest. At least rewatch that scene. Mm. We'll see. Now, your criticism of this scene, by the way. <laughs> yeah. You claim it's bad acting by Brad Pitt. Yes. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. It is. It is irritating me to the point. But re-watch please explain it. yourself. Rewatch it. It's. No, I've rewatched it. I I don't know what you're seeing. I just don't like it. Yeah, but what what don't you like about it? The energy, the what, the the tone in his voice is just it just annoys me. Just yeah. it's not great. Desperate, it's not great. Desperate acting. It's not great. Angry. Well, acting. because he, he doesn't like, know he what he doesn't know what it is at first. He's slowly. It's like one of those you see all the time where, like in a film where. They won't believe it till they see the body for themselves and they say, they're not dead, this can't happen. And he's having that inner conflict of it can't be. But his brain's telling him, you know what's in that box. Mask, why are you allowed, to, why are you allowed to, to criticise things that I like? But you get very defensive very quickly this, when they're on the other foot. I, I don't, for a start, know what I've criticised that you like. I don't think you could name one. Let me go back through the bracket. I know exactly the film. I know exactly the week I'm talking about that you were not you're disrespectful to Goodfellas when we before we did the pod. No, no, I wasn't. Heat, you were you heat, you were disrespectful to. You could many go years back. As, as you could go back and listen to both of those podcasts, uh, and yeah. you wouldn't hear a second of disrespect from me. If I had access to the to the pod social media, I would find the texts or the WhatsApps. The level of preparation, the level of enthusiasm in all of those, you would see. And uh, you are, you must be singular. You must be the single person on the planet that criticizes him in this scene. Wonderful. Isn't that the whole point of my opinion? Uh, I think there needs to be a level of objectivity where you, you say, I'm being I'm, objective in, I have seen the film. No, this I is, think, I think uh, you should admit you're wrong now. My objectivity is, this is what I liked about the film. 
this is what I didn't. If I was being subjective solely to my opinion, I could let this over. I, I don't know what you're saying is bad about what he does in this. Just don't like his acting in it. Quite simple. I thought I thought that was my topic sentence. But you can't give me a, the reason. I've given it to you. You've disregarded it. Does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. Again, my opinion. This is my point about you getting defensive because you like something, by the way. Even if even if I didn't like the film, I don't think I'd be able to say on a on a list of criticisms it's Brad Pitt's acting. Oh, it's not his acting, it's his acting in this scene. Oh, this is... Thank you. For the for the record. No, this this is you getting defensive because you like something once again. I mean, should we just wrap this part up? We still got Beverly Hills Cop to talk about. Yeah, I'm well aware, but we might as well just wrap this up because. Let's go on to Beverly Hills Cop. I feel like we're not so... going to go at this moment. Eddie Murphy is a Detroit cop on vacation in Beverly Hills. How you doing? We have six witnesses that say you broke in and started tearing up the place, then jumped out the window. Beverly Hills Cop, rated R. Starts Wednesday, December 5th at a theatre near you. A freewheeling Detroit cop pursuing a murder investigation finds himself dealing with the very different culture of Beverly Hills. What do you think the critics thought of this? thought it was funny. It wasn't a masterpiece. Are you soaking? No, I'm just trying to wrap this up now. We've still got a whole film to go through, so you best, find some, you best find some energy. No, I'll make it quick. Beverly Hills Cop works as an action movie supported by Eddie Murphy's comedic timing and inexhaustible charisma. Ryan Holt's goofy but endearing Detective Rosewood also provides heart and hearty laughs. Murphy is a one-man show backed up by a supporting cast, especially Ryan Holt and Ashton, who allowed Murphy the freedom to do what he does best. The vastly entertaining Beverly Hills Cop remains noteworthy as the film that makes best use of Eddie Murphy's explosive comic instincts. By no means great cinema, but it is a great popcorn movie. This was nominated for Best Screenplay at the Oscars. I know. And Eddie Murphy improvised I think the director said at least 40% of it simply put Beverly Hills Cop is one of the best buddy cop movies ever made now I've always seen this in the lists of best buddy cop movies I don't see this as a buddy cop movie no it's all about Axel Foley yeah, I don't know if the sequels are. He's kind of brought in more, but yeah, it, I didn't view it as a buddy cop movie at all. No, I was just thought it was about Eddie Murphy. To be honest, I think this is just an Eddie Murphy film. You're you've watched far more stand up than me. It's not really for me. Um, have you seen much of Eddie Murphy? Because this is. Like he's one of the biggest stars in the world before he then transitions over to films and does something like this. Yeah, I've seen the two big ones that he did before this was Raw and Delirious. Wear some great, crazy outfits in them both, respectively. 
It's got nice. some red leather number and then some purple fucking leather number. That's just awesome. awesome. Did you see those before the Eddie Murphy of our childhood where it's like the Nutty Professor, Dr. Doolittle, Norbit? No, 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 no. Uh, I saw, saw them before I saw Norbit. I'd definitely seen Doctor Doolittle, sorry, and the Nutty Pressure. And, um, fuck. Did you do Big Mama's House? No, someone else in it. Martin Lawrence, you dick. Martin Lawrence, okay. Uh, I Lawrence. was quite sure I was going to dislike this because I just. Talking dislike... to Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy, have you ever seen the film Life? No. I really want you to watch it. I really want to watch it. It's. It's brilliant. I I dislike the kind of caricature Eddie Murphy stuff, and that's what I thought this was going to be. Um, but I was quite pleasantly surprised when I saw saw that it wasn't. Yeah, this is before he becomes that though. If that makes he's, sense. He's, he's the biggest star to come off Saturday Night Live, isn't he? And then he comes into he goes back Sam? to back seven times in a row. Sam? Murphy's yeah. Murphy's peaks got to be bigger than Adam Sandler's, no? Don't know. I'm sure I can question. Sandler's got to be up there, right? Yeah. Um, Eddie Murphy does genuinely go back-to-back seven times in a row to open a number one in the box office. What are the films? Uh, I'd have to get IMDb up in a moment. But this this was the highest-grossing R-rated film in the US until The Matrix Reloaded came out in 2003, 19 years later. That's pretty good. If inflation were taken into account this would be the third highest grossing R-rated film in American history after The Exorcist and The Godfather. That's pretty good. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, I mean, they always say, everyone always says it's Eddie Murphy, but if you wanted to say so someone else, you'd have to say Sam, it would be a, the only other option, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I know I prefer, but Eddie Murphy... I guess it would be hard for us to understand now the level of star power that he did have in 1985, yeah. when 1984, 1984, when he's putting this together. No, mid 80s, yeah. Yeah, he was legitimately just like one of the biggest faces on the planet. Because, I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful to the film. Um, I think we can put behind us what's happened five minutes ago. Um, we so we will or we won't? We will. Okay. I think this should be a horrific film if it's not Freddie Murphy. It's almost written for him, though, wasn't it? Well, so the director said that this had been going on for years and years trying to get this screenplay off the ground and effectively every time they hit a speed bump, whether it was during the pre-production or on film, they'd essentially just give Murphy five minutes and ask him to come up with a character or a scene or something just to connect the dots and get this going. Yeah, so it was almost written for him. And like you say, they let him do... They apparently just let him do whatever what he wanted for the film. I've not. It sounds like now that you said that, that I've lined you up. Um, I haven't. The film was actually written for Sylvester Stallone, with the character of Michael Tandino as his brother and Jenny Summers as his love interest. Yeah, I'm glad they made their changes. <laughs> yeah. uh, a UK newspaper reported that Stallone quit the film because of disagreements over the orange juice for his trailer. Stallone says he left the project because he didn't think audiences would accept him as a naive fish-out-of-water cop who was new to the Beverly Hills lifestyle. 
he also didn't think that he was suited for the comedy in it. Correct. He's not funny. He's kind of his he's sorry, comedy he's is that almost like funny. sympathetic comedy, isn't it? Like he's not intentionally funny. No. <laughs> um, the original finale for the Stallone draft of the script took place at night and ended with a car chase between Victor in a Lamborghini and Axel in a turbo-boosting Pontiac GTO. Victor is ultimately killed when his car smashes into an oncoming train. Jeez. Eddie Murphy backed out of doing Ghostbusters to do this film and swore that it would be bigger than Ghostbusters. Well, he was apparently correct. Yeah, not R-rated, sure cult- R-rated-wise anyway. I think Ghostbusters is probably not bigger sure worldwide. But but... I'm sure Eddie Murphy had a lot more fun doing this than he would have, and he gets a lot more star power out of this. He does. But, well, you say R-rated-wise, you, I mean, I don't know what the inflation thing for... Ghostbusters would be, but if it's the third home, yeah. I, mean, I think he makes good decisions. He also gets another sequel to that that Ghostbusters gets out of this. Yeah, they are debating doing a Beverly Hills Cop 4, but I've not seen 2 or 3. No. 3 has apparently a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 9%. Oh, apparently 2 is okay. Yeah, TK said 2 is okay, 3 is just absurd, but he still enjoys it. Fair enough. I know he did want to be on this one because he's quite passionate about Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Yeah. Big Eddie Murphy fan. Yeah, I like that. Where is it? This this was the film debut of Damon Wayans. Hmm. He's uh, the guy working in the buffet when the bananas are put in the exhaust. Nice. Uh, This was 1984's second highest grossing film worldwide after Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. That's still pretty good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what did you think of the film? It was everything I thought it was going to be. Okay. And Have you really seen know. any other of this type of Eddie Murphy film? Or so had you seen kind of a connector between this and the ones that we've referenced later on? No, I've seen films he made after after this, but very different. I've seen Coming to America. I've yeah, seen... I guess I guess similar. I, I I basically my question was, had you seen anything other than him being his kind of larger than life personality? My mum, one of my mum's favourite films was The Golden Child. Okay. Um, fuck, I've seen that film an awful lot of time. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I, no, I don't, no, I don't think so. I mean, I'd like, like I said, I'd seen Life, probably the last. Adult thing he does for a while, like the Shrek. Two, this, three, four. Things like this and coming to oh. America and that are supposed to be, um, as far as you can push a comedic character without them becoming a caricature. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get. This was everything. I expected this to be. Well, yeah, I expect this to be a toned down version of. I say toned down, but compared to things that come later, a toned down version of Eddie Murphy. And I think that's sort of what you get. Yeah, and it's it's far more enjoyable for that because he's the centre of the film mm. without overpowering the film, which is pretty mental to say in a film where it's essentially him plus it ultimately feels like a lot of spare parts for as good as anyone else is in this film. Um, 
I wrote this down while watching. Back to the Future comes out a year later, and you've got to think that Axel and Marty could essentially share a wardrobe with the stuff they put together in this film. The jackets, isn't it? Yeah, he's got like the tucked-in t-shirt, jeans. I looked up to see uh, the trainers were called Adidas Countries back then. Oh, okay. I actually think, and I, like I said, I've seen this being debated, kind of bringing it back now. This kind of humour would actually do very well now if this kind of film was re-released like the, particularly the scene in the hotel lobby where you kind of playing into the race jokes and really having it up like that yeah i mean some of the, the some of the, there are certain bits you'd have to change but it's just like for anything from there are certain words and that you're probably not getting away with as much well, just from reading things and and the reflection of the film at the time and it's i mean it's pretty horrible to see that this this was a genuine criticism of it is People are saying that Eddie Murphy's character wouldn't have been able to go through Beverly Hills like this as undercover as he is without being abused. Yeah. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And so the fact that they play on that, ham it up completely, works well. And yeah, I think that would have been done even better if they were, well, not better, but as well if they were to do that again now. Yeah. No, no, I get that. Um, at the start of the film, we get this kind of, I guess, almost like they redo and for younger people would have seen in like White Chicks, the way it's done. Um, with the kind of doing the deal, but secretly you're uh, undercover and you have this big car chase that ultimately like doesn't add anything to the film. Like It doesn't do anything other than he strolls in and gives it large to his police chief afterwards. Yeah, I do like that scene though in the locker room. It is uh, very good. It's just like, um, I know for things like uh, the car chase that was going to be at the end of the film in the Stallone version, and there was a lot more they were going to do. Like when you have the bananas being put in the exhaust, there was going to be this big thing of Eddie Murphy sneaking into a kitchen and getting a hot potato. And he takes that out and puts that in the exhaust. But, they just ran out of cash and they couldn't get any more money for the film. So they had to make do and kind of cut some corners. And that's where Eddie Murphy came in, in terms of just kind of joining the dots and his raw star power, getting things over the edge. Yeah, no, no, yeah, I get that. It's just, he just has, catches a moment, doesn't he? With, with like, and I don't yeah. mean that, I don't mean that rudely, but he really does. And he does everything he can with it. Um, yeah, I I wrote down while watching um, Axel saying I can't believe how you filled out doesn't feel like a compliment that 99% of people can get away with when he says that to Jenny in his first time seeing her for years yeah like you're probably getting slapped if you say that to anyone so I would advise you not to do so yeah for most people you would yeah. also just sounds creepy yeah, yeah, he he gets away with it though. <laughs> yeah, a little smile, just but just sounds creepy. Yeah, you don't have that. I mean, I don't either. That Murphy smile in the locker. No, I really don't know. Something that aged, I guess, aged well because it was just fun to see. Didn't expect to see Mike from Breaking Bad as one of the henchmen in this. Yeah, very pulls back. 
Very it was one of them. Like, I saw his face and was like, I'm sure I recognise you. And then, yeah, clicked who it was. Mm. Yeah. Just, I didn't, I, to be honest, I didn't clock him, but now that you've said it, I know, I know yeah. what I mean. But I hadn't seen, I've, I, I watched Breaking Bad, but I, I don't remember a lot about it. I thought it was interesting as well and probably shows you, you may need to turn me down slightly, I'm getting a bit of uh, feedback. Um, so. I'm getting a bit of feedback. I don't know if you turn me up or if it's gone through there. I'm not getting it so much now. Um, I thought it showed perhaps uh, the priorities for the film in that there's no real uh, wrong turns in this. Like you're aware who the bad guy is within the first 25 minutes of the film. Mm-hmm. Like he goes to this art gallery. They say. This was this is his boss, and immediately he's like, "Okay, this must be the guy who killed my friend." I'm okay with that in this film, though. Yeah, so you get this with kind of action comedies, don't you? Where, so uh, okay, Twenty One Jump Street, one that we're going to be doing in a couple of weeks. Can't wait to see that. They play it's twenty actually it's twenty two Jump Street we're doing. They play a bit more into uh, the Who Done It side of things, mm. and they take the for the it's a longer film, but they do dedicate more time to the story. Whereas in this, it's like, you're here to see Eddie Murphy. We don't need to give you an elaborate twist and turns. Just enjoy some gunfights, enjoy some car chases, and enjoy Eddie Murphy. We've been, we've said it though, haven't we? We've said it a million times before. I mean, there's almost, <clears throat> should almost be sort of the motto for the pod, but this is what it is. Yeah, there's, 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 we we are popcorn cinema. I don't want to say bad cinema because I don't I don't know that's true. But popcorn cinema, I think we're the defenders of. Go in, sit down, watch this, watch this, and then and then go on. You don't need to. I mean, you'll be quoting this. There'll be quote. You'll be spouting quotes out of this, but you won't. Well, you're not deciphering the plot, are you? Not worried. Not trying to work out oh, what no. happens where. I probably laughed the most at him and his high pitched voice saying, <laughs> Get the fuck out of here to the art, art dealer. Mm. The the elephant in the room here, what do you think about Axel F having just seen the film last night? It's been in my head all day. <laughs> it's <laughs> they got their money's no, worth, didn't they? The I still don't like the song but or the tune, but it has been in my head all day. Oh, I guess they had it made for the film. And yeah. they were like, we are getting our money's worth out of this film. Mate, released it as a full thing. It was massive. 20 years later, it got a remix from a frog. Yeah. Um, yeah. Peter Griffin does a version of it, but whenever I hear it now, that's what I think of. I spoke to TK last night. How, If you were to go back to 1984, how would you explain Crazy Frog to them? The song that's in Beverly Hills Cop. They'd be like, yeah, 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 excellent. But one day there's going to be a cartoon frog. But like, you don't even have ringtones to give it any context. Like, well, no, but the MTV was about at this point, right? So the music yeah, okay. is. So you've got it'll be on MTV. A very sure. weird one to be like, yeah, this went. This was massive, just for a frog it's, on a motorcycle. No, I get what you're saying. I was going to say it's, the, it's essentially the same. I mean, it is essentially the same. It's weird that it was massive, as big the first time. Yeah. So I, I read that. This film came out around the same time as these um, little uh, Casio keyboards. Mm. 
And so a lot of places sold the film in like a bundle with these mini keyboards. And the most popular complaint in schools for the next year was kids trying to play Axel F on these little Casios and just Mm -hmm. driving people insane. Yep. An early recorder. Yeah, I understand that. It's like when we were at school, well, when we when I was at school, you used to fire into the new music class, just bang demo on one of them keyboards, and it just go well. <laughs> DJ, or turn, turn DJ. The, the helicopter noises on, and, just, and then just fucking just do all sorts of shit. Yeah, that DJ modes, and you press one of this way. Come on. Yeah. Take the headphones out and blast that. Yeah. Uh, what was your favourite scene in the film? <sighs> um. Don't know. The couple I do like when he's getting drunk, fucking chewed out by the by by his captain. Not so much for that scene itself, but it actually made me think of Twenty Jump Street. Okay. Yeah, when he talks about the angry black police captain. Yeah, yeah. That the scene in which uh, he's kind of explaining how the two of them are super cops for foiling the uh, robbery in the strip club. All improvised by Eddie Murphy. You still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm still there. Bye. Sounded like Sound your headphones were coming in and out. No, no, I'm not using my headphones. So something was going on. Um, yeah, I think that was my favourite scene. All improvised by Eddie Murphy. They say prior to what people may believe, he doesn't do any drugs and would barely even touch coffee, and he had a small cup of coffee before doing this scene and they said that it was like he was just on steroids. They just had to get the cameras rolling and just see what the hell he'd come out with. Because mm. you yeah, can I... see a couple of them are kind of covering their mouths as if they're embarrassed and it's because they're trying not to laugh and they leave it in the film. The police chief is actually smirking as he's telling the story. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, now I get that. What do you think about the fact that you've got... Uh, Jenny in this film and traditionally as we said they were going to go with the uh, Stallone route would be a love interest they, they seemingly have no interest in doing that in this film um, no I, I see your point but you, it works It works as well if not it works better do you know what I mean yeah just an, unusual particularly for this Asia films where literally you have yeah. your superhero you have your police officer secret agent You've got your love interest, and that's yeah. there's a the reason there. a woman's in it is to be a love interest, whereas at least in this they they try and give her some form of character. Yeah, doesn't take much convincing to get on board, by the way. No, uh, game game is fucked. Ready for it. And I think for Michael clearly. Mm. All right. Do you want to get into the scoring? Yeah. Just load this up. Okay, so which film did you prefer? Seven. Same. Same. Which you think's more rewatchable? Uh, I I will I will watch Beverly Hills Cop again before I rewatch Seven. I'm going Seven. But I did tell you I probably I've already told you I probably won't rewatch it. I'm shame. Um. What do you think is the best moment slash scene across the two films? Uh, it's the scene in the car with John Doe. 
Mine's the what's in a box scene, but we've discussed that already. Best quote? John Doe has the upper hand, because it's all I think about from Selwyn. Boy, I mean, the helicopter shouted here. Yeah. When I was putting on, I was shouting it yesterday. Tuesday, sorry. Monday, whenever it was. Yeah. Mine would be the You're No Messiah, You're a Movie of the Week, a fucking t-shirt at best. MVP? He's Axel Fowler. You're in Somerset. <laughs> best side character? John Doe. That's a good shout, actually. I haven't actually considered him. It's not in the first... It's not in the film for the first fucking hour. No, no, no. Half an hour. Which, what he does with that half an hour is pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Believability? Um... Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, that's quite mad that I do agree. Um, I guess we'd like to hope that most of Seven is beyond the realms of capability. Oh, it's definitely beyond the realms of capability. It's definitely within the realms of capability. Yeah. My hope is that fucking the people that are employed to be our law enforcement agents are on this fucking Yeah. Battle. Best soundtrack? Um, I do like the scoring in Seven, to be fair. Don't actually like the, a lot of the songs that are played. I'm not a great fan of. Although, I do like the use of Marvin Gaye. I I think Axel F eventually goes against it. Like I'd probably have gone that way, but it, that's actually steered me towards seven. I do like the way it's scored. I think it's fitting. I just think they just bang that in. They bang that fucking Axel. It's on every car there. radio, every chase. Like again, I know they've made it for the film, and why not? Good, 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 good plays on, but. There is a point where, it, in some of the times, excuse me, it just doesn't even fit. No. Originality? Oh, seven. Bigger impact? Seven. No, actually. No, I think it's Beverly Hills Cop, sorry. I'm going seven. <laughs> Best opening scene? Seven. Best ending? Right, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Jesus. Well, if I don't like the scene, I, fuck, I can't then, I can't spend five Well, you just didn't like the action. I thought you liked the concept of the scene. Yeah, I actually like one of the other. I like the alternatives. Uh, best chemistry? Seven. That is eight one. No, that's big spoken. Goes through to the next round. And next week we have da, 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 the Italian job, the original, versus Fast Five. Strap yourselves in. Good thing believability isn't a topic next week. I can't remember which one which one is Fast Five. It's 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 the one where uh, they well, jump off the car scene. and he like spears her in midair to save her from falling off a bridge. Is it the one where they drag the safe in a motorway? Yes. It's not the one with the run. Is it the one with the plane? Fast five, the one with where yes, for yeah, the plane to yeah. work it after after the world's longest runway. Yeah. I do remember one of she dies, doesn't she? I mean, if I believe that's the one, yes. Yeah, so we're going. I mean, we're getting to it next week, but uh, 
he'll be coming. I'm pretty sure it's the one where she dies. There we go. Sean claims he's going to be here next week, but who knows? He did. Um, So thanks again for listening to another edition of Movie Madness. As always, we'll be back next week. Goodbye.